Well, good morning, afternoon, whatever it is. Well, on Tuesday, I had a doctor's appointment in Oklahoma City. It was at 9 o'clock, so for sure, I thought we'd be back home by noon o'clock. But little did I know, we wouldn't get home till 10 o'clock in the night. Let me tell you what happened. We was coming home at 10 o'clock and my wife looked at me and said, thank you. And I thought, well, at least she appreciates it. Because you know what we just left? Mathis, not brothers, Mathis home. They changed the name. And I thought, well, at least she appreciates it. Because you know what I've just done? I just wrote a check for $6,400. And when she said thank you, I thought, well, that's the least you can do. Somebody said, you got a lot of furniture. Well, about four pieces. <laughs> you average it, divide that 6400 by four, it's too high. But to my surprise, I want you to listen to what I'm saying because when I reflected yesterday on my Tuesday, what I would preach, when she said thank you about 10 o'clock on the way home, I thought she was thanking me for $6,400 worth of furniture. And I said, uh, you're welcome. She said, I'm not thanking you for the furniture. She said, I'm thanking you. For hanging out with me today. And I just thought sure I would preach to the men. Men, it's not about what you buy them. Men, it's not about what you build them. Because see, when you're buying them furniture and you're building them houses and you're buying them cars, sometimes your wife she just wants to hang out. Now look up here. And in that message, I would tell you, our God is much like our wives. Because sometimes when you're Rob Pierce, you want to serve Him and you want to do for Him and you want to go for Him. And yes, He'll say thank you for doing that. But every once in a while, you just have one of them days. Just you and God. And at the end, he says, thank you, and you're mixed up because you say, I didn't preach revival for you today. I didn't help some widow lady today. I didn't spend no time with no orphan today. And he says, no, I'm just thanking you for hanging out. Boy, and as I reminisced on that, I thought, man, that's probably what I'll preach. Just hanging out. With our loved ones and with the Lord. There's the alliteration. But look here. As the more I pondered on that Tuesday, I thought, no. Because when we was in there, Anthony was the salesman. I soon called him Tony. That's short for Anthony. And I got to preach him several sermons. See, you don't have to have a crowd. You just got to have one. 
And when you don't really care about the furniture and your wife's looking at the furniture, you're looking for a soul. So while he's trying to point it out, I says to him, are you a born-again child of God? He says, I am. And he said, you a preacher man? I said, I am. He said, I kind of figured as much. I said, what? Give it away. He said, the three sermons. And all of a sudden, he begins to get tears wailing up in his eyes. And he said, I've heard you say enough. And I appreciate that you're an evangelist, even though you're a pastor. And see, those tears started wailing up because he kept on. He said, these mega churches, they forget evangelism needs to take place in the walls, and they sure forget it needs to take place out of the walls. He didn't say it, but I ciphered what he said. These mega churches and feel good preachers are going to cause a lot of people to go to hell with a positive attitude. So I thought on my Tuesday, when I was thinking about it yesterday, I thought, I'm going to preach on evangelism. And no matter what the message is, we better not forget to tell people they need Jesus, whether they're sitting on a church pew or walking down the street. But then as I thought about that, God God said, that ain't it. And I said, I know it was what happened on Tuesday. Where was I at before the furniture store, God? He said, come on now. And he reminded me, I was at men's warehouse. And I've got to ask you today, am I not looking good? See, I was going to men's warehouse because I was supposed to be in Colorado this week and on bull evaluation, it's going to be 16 degrees. And I tells my wife, I said, i got to have some coveralls. I've got to have a warm coat. I've got to have some lined gloves. And for some reason, me and my wife thought men's warehouse was like a coat, and, and but that maybe that's uh, Burlington. I don't know. But when we walked in men's warehouse, I didn't see no coveralls. I seen stuff like this. And I was ready to just turn around and leave. But you guys noticed I started wearing jackets a few weeks ago. And, and listen, they're all hand-me-down. I've never bought my own. Jesse Stipes put it good at Taurus Foreman's funeral. He had a jacket on. He said, my wife told me I look like I've been to Marty Brock's yard sale. See, when I walked in men's warehouse, I thought, I've never owned my jacket. They don't have coveralls, but I'm going to get me a jacket, my very own jacket. And I went in there, and, and this old boy met me there, and he was looking pretty sharp. He kind of had on a lavender jacket. Wait till next week, sis. <laughs> and man, he begins to show me these jackets. And I told my wife, I said, I'm going to get me about three or four jackets. I may get me some jeans in here that looks better. And she says, have you looked at any price tags yet? And I said, no, but surely they ain't very expensive. Listen, when I finally settled on them, we called the bank. I got a loan. They wired the money to men's warehouse. God of heaven. We need to take up a love offering here in just a moment. But I kept calling this guy John. And my wife over, she says, I don't know why you do stuff like that. What makes you think his name's John? I said, I don't know his name. She said, well, then why are you calling him John? I said, because I don't know his name. 
When you don't know somebody's name, any name's as good as any other if you don't know their name. His name ain't John. I said, what's his name? She said, I don't know. I said, I'm going to call him John until I know differently. But finally, when I called him John, he said, my name ain't John. Now, I'm that guy that's always looking for a reason, always looking for a door. You know what he said? He said, my name's David. Now, there's a door, folks. You know what I said? I said, are you a giant slayer? I said, I knew a David that took down giants. Why don't you listen to his response to that question? No, sir. I'm a backslidden Pentecostal. That was his answer to my question. Are you a giant slayer? So we continued the shopping and I got my jackets, and I got my sack, and I headed out. The Great Commission's as you go. I turned and I said, hey, David. He said, yes, sir. I said, he's got a fatted calf ready. He's got a ring, and he's got a kiss on his lips. He wants you prodigals to return. That's my last words to David. I hope and pray the Holy Spirit reminds that guy God's got a fatted calf. He's got a ring, a kiss on his lips, and he's waiting for the party. Man, I just knew, Miss Rhodes, I'd preach on the prodigal. And God, when I thought all through that, And let me tell you something. In that sermon, I was going to be sure and tell you, you don't have to be selling coats at men's warehouse to be backslidden. You can be backslidden sitting on a church pew. So don't forget, I was going to put that in that sermon. But God says, "Uh uh-uh. I said, well, where else was I at? That doctor, I don't want to preach about him. He just sure to killed me. (laughs) Cracker Barrel. Now, why do me and my wife, just in our low 50s, go to a restaurant where people in their high 90s eat? Now, listen here. I'm going to tell you why we do. I love to go to Cracker Barrel, and I love to scoot up to my wife and hang out with her, and I love to watch those 90s upper 80s, 90s walk in. And I love to reach under and tap her on the leg and said, there's what we're going to be. And I look at three or four of them, I say, you think we'll be like that bunch? Think we'll be like that couple? And I just have a ball in Cracker Barrel seeing what we're becoming. But there's a second reason, because we're to encourage one another. And when me and my little old 50-plus-year-old wife walk in there and sit down, I can see it. I cipher well. Some of them 90-somethings, just as we're looking at them, saying, there's what we're going to be. You know what they're doing? Honey, you remember when we was like them? So I just go to Cracker Barrel to see what I'm going to be and encourage those. And they reminisce the days that they was like us. And I say, honey, we're going to be like them one day. And boy, it was a heartbreaker. She said, honey, we already are. (laughs) 
let me tell you what happened when Donna got up and go to the restroom at Cracker Barrel. I watched a man come in there out of the store into the restaurant, and I watched him. I could see him first, and he was crippling, but his hand was from out behind him. And I was waiting to see what he had a hold of, and you know what it was? It was his wife. And I watched him cripple into that seat. All the, the cracker barrels are just alike. I'm talking about the corner chair right inside the door. I watched his wife cripple in behind him. Now watch this. And I watched her in her posture. I watched him lead her. I watched him put her hand on the table. I watched him take a chair and get it just right. And here's what I was thinking the whole time. Now I've looked at every bend in her body. And I've looked at where it didn't bend. And here's what I come to. When she sits down, her face will be only inches off that table. So as I sat there, I was watching. I was waiting for her to sit down, wondering even what that was going to look like. And as I was sitting there and she sat down, I want to tell you, when she sat down, her face was literally inches off the table. And I thought, God, help that woman. But when I watched that, listen, my mind went immediately to Luke 13. You can listen, you can turn there, but I think you're going to realize real quick why my mind went to Luke 13, beginning in verse 10. As I was watching that, it said, I was thinking of this verse. Now he, that's Jesus, was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years. And was bent over and in no way could raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and she glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation. You want me to put that in northeast Oklahoma terms? He was hacked off. And you could see it when he answered. Because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath and he said to the crowd, There are six days on which men ought to work. Therefore, come and be healed on them and not on the Sabbath day. The Lord then answered him and said, Hypocrite. And let me stop there. This is not the sermon. Hypocrites can sit in the pews. Wheat and tear. This was a ruler of the synagogues. Hypocrites can stand behind the pulpits. That's when Paul said, Beware of the wolves that are dressed in sheep clothing. So let me just stop and say it's possible for hypocrites, hypocrites to be in the pews, but it's also possible for hypocrites to be 
in the pulpits. Hypocrite. Does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it away to water it? So ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound... Anybody's Bible got a line right there? Seems like he might have just kind of got quiet for a bit, don't it? And then he says, think of it. My Bible has another line. He may let him think about it a little more. And then he says, for 18 years, be loose from this bond on the Sabbath. And when he said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame. And all the multitude rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. So let me just tell you something this morning. I'm not going to be preaching, hang out with your loved ones and hang out with the Lord. Let me just tell you, I'm not going to preach on evangelism inside and outside the walls. I'm not going to preach on the prodigal. There's a fatted calf ready. But I am going to preach from Luke 13. When life bends you over. When life bends you over. I think it's worth scooting up to the edge of your seat and watch it unfold. First of all, I want to draw your attention to the cripple. That's the lady, yes we know. But I want to point out about who she was. The text tells us she was a daughter of Abraham. Now let me point something out very clearly to you. There was some descendants of Abraham that thought they was God's little children. And Jesus clearly stated to them, they still needed to repent and they still needed to be saved. You don't inherit salvation. But I believe in text how he is speaking to them, calling her a daughter of Abraham and seeing where she's at. I believe it is a safe assumption that she is a born-again child of God, a believer. I believe it's a safe assumption. And why I want to point out who she is, because in Bible days, if someone was blind, who sinned, them or their parents? So this lady is bent over double 18 years. This is how you saw her in town. That's how you saw her at church. So I'm thinking probably there was all kinds of chatter going. Wonder if it was her husband. I wonder if it was her mom and dad. I wonder if it's her who sinned. Isn't that something how we do that? They did it in Bible days and whether we believe it or not, we do it nowadays. So I'm pretty sure people wondered that. But what I want to point out, there's no inclination in here that has anything to do with anything. And I want to remind everybody, we are all crippled with sin. And that happened when mankind fell in the garden. And every one of us was born crippled by sin. 
And when you come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, as we are assuming this lady did, she is healed. She is forgiven for her sin. You got that? I believe this lady has taken care of salvation. Now, we only assume that. We don't know that. But I want you to know it's possible to be a born-again child of God in church, loving on Jesus, and life still bends you over. See, sometimes we think because of this health, wealth, prosperity, mega church preaching, if we're living in tune and in touch with Jesus, life will never cripple us. And that is far from the truth. And then preachers are preaching from a closed book and an empty head as far as I'm concerned. My Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. Death, disease, sickness and sorrow, it visits every home. And so what I want to point out, this cripple, who she is, seems to be in tune, in touch, but guess what? Life still bent her over. She still was crippled by life. Got that? And in this world, we're going to have trouble, and in this world, we're going to have tribulation. So just get that out of your mind. I'm going to get saved. I'm going to get in tune. I'm going to get in touch. And I'll never get bent over. I'll never be crippled again. Well, I'm going to tell you, you're setting yourself up for disappointment because you will. And then secondly, I want to point out this cripple. Not only who she is, I want to point out what's wrong with her. Now, when I say what's wrong with her, sometimes we miss it. Look at verse 11. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit. Of infirmity. Eighteen years. And. When there's an and. There must be something else. And she was bent over. And could in no way raise herself up. Now I want you to look up here. When I say what's wrong with her. It looks to me like from the scriptures. It's twofold. She has the spirit of infirmity. She's got a spiritual problem. And she's bent over double. Physically. So it looks to me like we got two problems. Anybody see it? A spirit of infirmity and was bent over double physically and could no way raise her up. Now I want everybody to look up here and I want everybody to listen to me. When I was sitting in that cracker barrel, I could see she was bent over physically. Now, I'm a people watcher. My wife had went to the restroom. In come right behind us a very clean cut, just a little older than I, man. He, he had a nice jean, Wrangler jean shirt on. He just, he, he just looked pretty. He must have been a regular there. But I got anxious and almost had to, to see a doctor for it. You say, what happened? Well, he orders his food and he sits there and when they set the biscuits down. Let me tell you what you do, kids, when they set the biscuits down at Cracker Barrel. You dig in. You split the biscuit. You get the jelly on it and you get it gone. Unless somebody else gets it. So I, my wife's gone, and I'm looking at this woman, and then he sits down, 
and they bring his biscuit. And it like it took him five minutes to straighten out the silverware and the plate on his table. And I'm thinking, God of heaven, eat the biscuit, dude. Come on. And I mean, it seemed like five minutes, Terry, and he finally, after about 15, gets the biscuit split. And I'm just sitting there and I'm thinking, God of heaven, eat the biscuit. Eat the biscuit already. I've never seen anybody take so long to split a biscuit. And then when I really got anxious... Didn't think he's ever going to get the jelly on it, and he got the wrong jelly. He got strawberry, and grape was right beside it. Can you imagine my emotions? Oh my gosh! How long is it going to take him to split the biscuit? And he got strawberry. Immediately, I knew he was lost and undone, and needed Jesus. <laughs> he got the strawberry. But listen to me. And he finally gets the jelly on the biscuit, and my mouth's water. My food ain't there. And I want to just reach and grab the biscuit and say, I'll take it. I'll eat strawberry for heaven's sakes. Just eat the biscuit. And then he I think he's going to eat the biscuit. You know what this man does? He sits it down beside his plate, and I thought, oh, my gosh. He straightens the silverware up again. And he's got a hamburger steak covered with onions, and he gets his knife. And he moves his napkin. And I thought, cut the steak up already. And I watch him. And thank God my wife finally comes out of the restroom and they set my food down. Because I'm thinking, God of heaven, eat the food. But you know what I began to think? I was just watching him. I seen the lady bent over. And I thought, is everybody safe? Maybe he's bent over. Maybe he's just taking his time. Where's his spouse? I don't know. I didn't ask him. And all of a sudden, I just began to think. I could see she was bent over. But was he? Here in a minute, a man... And what looked like his son walked in and they sat down just behind me. Didn't say much. And I wondered, what are they doing? Is his wife, is his mom in the hospital? I began to wonder, are they bent over? And then I watched people come in. You've seen them. I don't know why we have to pull any punches behind the, behind the pulpit, but you can see the effects of drugs on people, huh? You see somebody come in tweaking just a little bit, and you think, life's bent them over. So here's what I'm saying to you. I could see one that was physically bent over. But then I began to wonder how many in there, it wasn't physical. It was mental, it was emotional, it was financial. Come on, how many people in there was bent over? And then yesterday I began to think to myself, I'm going to preach tomorrow. And I wonder how many is bent over.
I wonder how many in there, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, financially, come on, whether it's sickness, whether it's sin, whether it's sorrow. Let me tell you something. Luke chapter 14, where they invited them all to the party, there's those that bent over and don't even know it. There's people here, you're bent over and you don't even realize it. You're bent over spiritually. But don't forget in that text, I preached just a brief piece of it. There's those that's bent over and there's nobody to blame. See, when he said, when those that was bent over and didn't even know it, he said, go back out in the highway and invite the lame and the maim, the blind. You know what? They was blind, they was lame. It was nothing they had done. But you know what life had done to them? It had bent them over. You got that? But then when he come back, he said, they're here, but there's still more room, right? Ain't that what it says? And then what does Jesus say? Go out to the highways and the hedges. That's where you find those addicts. That's where you find those that's, that's got a problem. You know what Jesus was saying? There's those that's been over and they don't even know it. I invited them and they didn't even come. You know, there's people not in church today. There's people that don't think they need Jesus. They're been over and they don't even know it. But then you're here today. You're been over and you couldn't help it. You couldn't help what went on in your life. You didn't have nothing to do with it. You got this, you got that. Huh? But then you may be here today and you're bent over and guess what? You caused it. I mean, because of an addiction, because of sin, you caused it. But let me give you the good news. Jesus really don't care. If you're bent over, He's in the house. And He's into fixing people that life has bent over. Amen? So that, that, that's, that's what's going on. And so I just have to wonder how many's bent over. Is somebody here today bent over by sin, bent over by sorrow, bent over by death, bent over by disease? You may be, and we don't even know it. Now watch out. I don't, I, I don't want to miss this. I want to point out, I'm still on the first point. We'll get out about four. Mike got up second service, said he's got about three hours of preaching. He's trying his best to do it in about 40 minutes. Don't miss who she is because that will encourage you. You can be right where you're supposed to be and still be crippled, been over by life. Don't miss what's going on. She's got a spirit of infirmity, but she's physically been over. And it's possible to have, be bent over and physically be standing straight up, isn't it? But don't ever miss where this lady's at. She's in the synagogue. She's at church. Boy, I missed a good opportunity to just throw a fit in front of our camera this morning. What she experienced, she couldn't experience via live stream. And all these people that come, can't come to church, let me give you a picture of her walking in. shut-in found in the Bible. I may feel differently when I get there, but God of heaven, this woman for 18 years, 
she wasn't watching it live stream. She was like the psalmist when Sunday rolled around and don't, don't, I want to keep everybody right. It was Saturday. It was the Sabbath. But when it rolled around, she was glad. Been over double 18 years, but she was glad. She didn't walk in and survey the sanctuary where she could sit. She was bent over and so bad, she had to get right next to the seat and kind of look over and see if there's anybody there. That's her. Let me tell you something. There's not a better place to be when life bends you over in the house of God. Do you understand that? This is where she's at. She's not a shut-in. She's not trying to watch it via live stream. She was glad and she was ready to get unto the house of God. Why do you come to the house of God? To worship Him, to praise Him, and when life bends you over, let Him straighten you out. But see, what happens, we come to church for all the wrong reasons. I think about that couple, Miss Georgie, I know you've heard me tell it before. They went to church one day, and they come in, they surveyed the area, they sat down, they was regulars. And when church was over, they got in the truck, and she said, Honey, did you see that dress Miss So-and-so had on? That was the awfulest looking dress I've ever seen in my life. He said, I didn't see it. Well, if you didn't see that, did you see that goofy looking hat that Miss So-and-so had on? He said, honey, I missed that too. She just slapped her knee and she said, well, why in the world do you even come to church? I want everybody to look up here. God help us not to come to church to see who's there, see what they're wearing. God help us to come to church like this lady. For 18 years, she come to God's house, hurting, but yet hoping. 18 years. Let me tell you what she realized. Church is not a country club for sinners. Tell you what she realized. Church is a hospital for a country club for saints. Church is not a country club for saints. It is a hospital for sinners. And she was hurting. And she was coming for 18 years in hope of being healed. Whew. That's the cripple. And if that was all I preached, I'm going to tell you, that's enough. But now let's move from the cripple to the Christ. Now watch what happens. Now, number one, Jesus saw her. It's right there in verse 12. But when Jesus saw her. Now look at me and listen to me. She couldn't see Him. She can't see nothing. I saw at Cracker Barrel what she must have looked like. That lady could see nothing. You go get to walk around in the store at Cracker Barrel and look around. She don't. I get to look at people in Cracker Barrel. That lady didn't. You get to look at people in life. You get to look at people in church. She did not. She could not see nothing but the ground right before her and possibly the person standing immediately to the left or immediately to the right. Look here. She can't see nothing. But her, surely, in 18 years, she's knew that Jesus was in the house. Surely in the 18 years in the synagogue, He's done some great and mighty things. Come on. And let me just tell you something. Jesus saw her. And let me just tell you something. 
you may not see Jesus. You may wonder where He's at at some point in your life, but you rest assured He sees you. You with me? You think you've got sin hidden from somebody in your family. You've got sin hidden. Let me let you in on something. He sees it. And you, you try to walk straight up like nothing's wrong. And listen, you trying to hide it. Jesus sees you're bent over. You're struggling. He sees it. Dave may not see it. Rob may not see it. But you're here today. Life has got you bent over. Whether it's sin that you self-caused. Or whether it's sorrow. Whether it's death. Whether it's disease. Look here. Jesus saw her. That's good. But then watch this. Jesus summoned her. Watch it. But when Jesus saw her, He called her to Him. Eighteen years. Maybe she's heard Him say, Sir, come here. Ma'am, come here. Come here, little child. I don't know what she's heard. I don't even know if she's been going every Saturday for 18 years. But man, I, when I read this, I, it leads me to believe she has. And in 18 years, she's heard a lot of people's name called. Can you imagine what it was like that day? She's walked in for 18 years. She's been bent over physically, but don't miss, she's been bent over with a spirit of infirmity. It's mental, it's emotional. She bent over. Can you imagine what that day was like? She just walked in, she just walked into worship, and all of a sudden Jesus saw her, and then he said, You woman, come here. Jesus sees you today, and if it's in your sin, He may summon you to get up here and repent and lay it down. Sees you in your addiction. Sees you in your hurt. It's got you bent over. I can't see it, but Jesus sees it, and He summons you. He calls you to the front. You say, I don't know why we all in the church call Him to the front. This, the, in the modern days church, call him. That, that was Bible days. He summoned her. Got that? And then when she gets up there, he speaks to her. He sees her. He summons her. And then when she gets up there, he says, Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. Can you picture this with me? Can you imagine being in the crowd that day? You didn't want to miss church that day. And all of a sudden, he calls her, and you scoot to the front of your seat. What's he going to do with this lady? I wonder if it's her or her parents that sin. And she comes up there, and she stands there, and he's standing here, and he says, Woman, you're loosed! But she still stands there, just bent over. Read the Scripture. That's, that's exactly what's happened. She's still standing there. He says, Woman, you're loosed. Let me tell you what. Anywhere in the Bible where somebody was demon-possessed and he cast them out, they had to come out and go into the pigs. They had to go into somewhere, right? That's why I believe this lady is a born-again child of God. She was not demon-possessed. She was demon-oppressed. It was the devil that had bent her over. So he didn't cast the demons out. He just said, devil, get off her back. Some of you need the devil off your back. Man, he's been lying to you about something. 
He'd been lying to you about your loved one. He'd been lying to you about this. He'd been lying to you about that. And he summons you. He sees it. He sees life's got you bent over. And he calls you to the front. And, and you get up here. And he says, you are loosed. But it's had you bent over so long. Guess what? Even though the devil's off your back, guess what happens? Nothing changes. Did you pick that up? He saw her. He summoned her. He spoke, you're loosed. At that point, the devil's off her back. But it's still got her bent over. Doesn't it? Well, then what's he do? He straightens her. Look at it. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight. Now, when you read the Old Testament, the laying on the hands was one of three things. Dedicating a sacrifice, inaugurating a priest, or pronouncing blessings. Right? Because when Jacob was dying, Joseph got his boys. He knew the importance of having hands and blessing laid upon them. And remember, he took them to Jacob. And remember, Jacob crossed his hands and laid one on one boy and one on the other and blessed them? Huh? Remember when David was anointed king? And Samuel said, the king's not here. He's at the house. And remember... And if I get this story right, then let it be. If I get it wrong, a little bit of detail, you can come and tell me and we'll fix it. But I'm pretty sure when they went to anoint him, the oil wouldn't come out. Right? But then Samuel done something. What did he do? Laid his hands on him. And he blessed him as the next king of Israel. And that oil that wouldn't come out began to flow. Come on, listen to me. Sometimes there's got to be a laying on of the hands so the oil which represents the Holy Spirit can come out. So here is a person, a woman, who has been bent over double and she's been summoned by Jesus. He says, woman, you are loose. The devil's off her back, but she's still bent over and he reaches down with his hands and he blesses her and he straightens her. So some of you need to be straightened today. He's told the devil, get off your back, but you're still bent over like he's there and he ain't there. Are you staying with me? So what happens next? That's the cripple. That's the Christ. And the best I can tell, she's been cured. Not like bacon. She's been cured. She's been healed. Now watch what she does. It says she began to glorify God. Can you imagine what it had been like to be at church that day? You're loosed. And they all look and say, she ain't loosed. And then all of a sudden he reaches down and he touches her. He straightens her. And my Bible says she glorified God. Now, what it would it be like to have life bent over life bends you over physically and spiritually, and you come in and Christ sees you, summons you, speaks to you, and now He's touched you, and all of a sudden, for the first time in eighteen years, you're standing straight up and you're thinking, I used to, I thought it was just me and Jesus at church. Has these people been coming for eighteen years? I don't think she's paying much attention to the crowd. 
Makes me wonder if she didn't begin to maybe sing. Because she'd been hurting for 18 years. But listen here, she was at church. And I don't like that little phrase, fake it till you make it. I can't stand it. I like what this lady done. She was hurting and she never lost hope. She wasn't faking nothing. She was walked in, bent over. Life had duped her. She had walked in there, and she wasn't faking it till she made it. But for 18 years, she was just thinking, maybe this is the day. Maybe this is the day he calls my name. Maybe this is the day he straightens me out. Maybe this is the day that he looses me from this spirit of infirmity. Huh? And for 18 years, she come in hurting, not faking it till she making it. She come in hurting, but still hoping. And that today was the day. Is today your day? And she stands up. She's cured. And I just wonder if she didn't begin to sing. Said she glorified God. I wonder if she didn't begin to sing. I've been held by the Savior. Man, he just touched her. I wonder if she began to sing. I felt fire from Above. What do you think she felt? Huh? I've been held by the Savior. I felt the fire from above. I wonder what she's saying. I've been down to the river. I ain't the same. A prodigal return. I mean, come on, the Bible says she began to glorify God. I just wonder, hurting but still hoping. Oh, my hope is in Jesus. And I bet she could hardly contain herself when she sang that next line. Thank God my yesterday's gone. Eighteen years of yesterday's. How they're gone. Can you imagine the crowd looking on and her begin to sing? Because she knew what it's like to be held by the Savior, feel the fire from above, and go to the river. Never to be the same, a prodigal return. All my hope's been in Jesus for 18 years. I was ready for this. Thank God! My, yesterday's gone. And then all of a sudden, some old Baptist deacon stood up and put fire on the water. Have you read the rest of that story? They are having a holy hoot nanny. So what have I talked about? The cripple? The Christ? The cure? Well, let me just go ahead and point out the critics. Because they're always among us. I've learned that in 20 years. They're always among us. They were offended. Watch this. But the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation. Here's a lady that's been made straight. She's singing praises. She's giving glory to God. And he stands up and you talk about quench and stop the services in its tracks. He, With indignation, he says, because Jesus healed on the Sabbath. He says to the crowd, he turns around, she quits singing. And he says to the crowd, there's six days on which men ought to work. 
come on one of those days, not on the Sabbath to be healed. I just thought last week in John chapter 13 that there was a lot of tension in the room. (laughs) Isn't it something when you think, man, there's a lot of tension there. Then you come to this. That church service had some tension. Here's a lady that's been healed. She's singing and glorifying God. She's in the middle of a testimony. She's thanking God her yesterday's gone. And some old sour-faced Baptist deacon looked to me like, I don't know, might not have been, but that's what it looked like. Stands up and says, Hey, I'm telling you, talk about a room full of tension. They just got it. Can you imagine that? I bet the first time visitors were saying, uh, if we can get out of here, we will not come back to this church. They'll just have a fight right in the middle of the service, huh? That's what happened that day. Folks, listen, we think something new. <laughs> this is happening. But let me tell you, Jesus in the house fixes stuff like that. Because they move from offended to being ashamed. Watch what he says. The Lord then answered him and said, Hypocrite. Do not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it away to water it. So ought not this woman... I mean, he's pointing to her. They've shut her testifying and her singing up. He's pointing to this woman being a daughter of Abraham whom Satan has had bound. And there's there's, there's the line. It just got silent. He said, think about that. Think about what I just told you. For 18 years... This daughter of Abraham has been bound. Think about that. And then when he says think about it, he lets them think about it. He says for 18 years she's been like that. So to loose her from this bond on the Sabbath, that's a problem. Let me tell you what he said. You want me to get that right down where you can understand it? Let me tell you what Jesus was saying to them. You guys think more of your animals than you do humans. Can I ask you where our world is today? You can't run over an elderberry beetle out in California without getting fined. But you can suck the life of a living baby out of a mother's womb. Come on, folks. Think about that. He just told them, the problem is, you guys think more of your animals than you do a lady that life has been over. God help us to never come to that point that we think more of our animals than we do of people who are struggling in this world. And when Jesus put them in their place, it says they were greatly ashamed. I'll tell you what happened. They had to sit down or get out. And one of these days, God's going to stand in front of our godless politicians who have put more stock in the life of an animal that's becoming extinct than they have babies. And it's the ones that Jesus offends that will one day stand in front of him ashamed. Do you see it there? That's the critics. And so can you imagine, David, boy, I'd I'd like you to handle that when that happens here. I'm going to say, boy, I'll tell you what, Dave, handle that. You and old Danny and James, I'm just going to keep preaching. You take them critics out there and deal with them. I'm just telling you, this service has got some tension in it. And if there's one that don't know what in the world to do, do you forget who was probably standing right up there? This little old lady. (laughs) I wonder for a split second, Rick, if she just didn't say, just bend me back over. It was a lot more comfortable than this tension. Huh? Don't you wonder? I mean, because she's at the front. He's called her out. 
And she's standing up there. And now the, the, the religious people in the Lord, they're having this little argument. And she, it, it actually broke her song up. It, it stopped her testimony. And I can just imagine her thinking, this is awkward. This is really awkward. But when Jesus straightened it out, I wonder if He looked back over at her. Ooh. Because it said all the multitude rejoiced for all the glorious things that He had done. Come on. I wonder if He looked back over and He knows when it's awkward for us, don't He? Huh? I just wonder if He... And He can fix it. He can take an awkward moment and just turn it into glory for Him. He must have just looked over and said, Woman, go ahead. And I, I just wonder, if Brother Harold, if she looked at him and said, do you want me to start where I left off or start over? And, and I bet old Jesus said, just start over. Come on, Dave. Get on up here. I just wonder if she began to sing. I've been held by the Savior. I felt the fire from above. Jesus said, come on. I've been down to the river. Go ahead. Can you imagine Jesus just sitting there? Come on, man. I ain't the same. A prodigal return. Come on, can you imagine her singing? Jesus encouraging her. All my hope is in Jesus. Can you imagine her? Boy, she felt it. Thank God. all my sins. Come on, Jesus, just tell me. Come on, sing. They've been forgiven. Oh, and I've, she sang, I've been washed by the blood. Now, I'm going to tell you, this is the reason I believe this is the song she was singing. I'm no stranger to the prison. I've been in shackles. And I've been in chains. Never was in a jail cell. Never was at McAllister at Springtown. But she knew what it was like to be in prison. But she begins to sing, I'm freed. Never to be the same. You'll never convince me she didn't stand up and sing that day. All of my hope is in Jesus. I don't know what's got you bent over. But I know who can fix it. And I know who can straighten it up. I don't know how long you've been hurting. But don't lose hope. Because all our hope, it's in Jesus. Let's stand. Let's sing. Is He calling your name today? Man, if you've been over, why don't you come up here? Why don't you let Him loose you? Man, if you've been over today, why don't you let Him... Lay hands on you by way of Holy Spirit. He got the devil off your back a long time ago, but the devil was on you so long, you're still walking around bent over. And he wants to say to you today, straighten up!
this as Dave continues to play I still believe he's summoning some of you whether that be for salvation whether that be because you're in a backslidden state or whether that be just because death, disease, despair come on I just believe he's calling out some names, he wants to loose you he wants to straighten you up and here's what I'm saying, and, and, and we're going to have Dave sing through this again. And you say, I just don't feel like I need to come forward. When Jesus summoned that lady, she may have had that mindset, I don't know why He has to call me forward. Why don't He just loose me and straighten me up back here? Well, I don't know why He didn't either. But all I do know is the Word of God. He called her to the didn't hand her a mic. Just spoke to her and touched her. Okay? When we get the mindset, this message, it speaks to our heart. Jesus speaks to our heart. Somebody says a great message. I'm going to let you guys in on something. I didn't write that book. I'm just the messenger boy. It's got some great messages in it. And I cannot take credit for not one of them. I'm just the messenger boy. You got that? That's a great message, but it comes straight from God. It's in His book. Every time I go to Texas, I go through McAllister. Man, McAllister, when I was growing up, that's just prison. I'm going to the big man, huh? And then when I go to Texas, I get out of McAllister and I get down there to, they call that Stringtown, don't they? Let me tell you what's at Stringtown. It ain't very far off the road. Big old high fences. Razor blade wire. And right inside it, there it is. There's the sales. Right? Not once in a while. Every time I go to Texas. And that's more often than I want it to be nowadays. But every time I go by there, I think, man, them people in that prison. The 
then I always think there's people driving up and down this road that's never been in a jail cell, they've never been in prison, they've never been behind them fences, but yet they're in prison. Not to a jail cell, but in prison to the devil. In prison to deception. In prison to sadness and sorrow. You with me? You don't have to stay in prison. That's the message today. You say, I've never been in prison. Are you in prison right now? I'm telling you, you don't have to stay there. There's more people in churches on Sunday mornings in prison than Springtown's or Stringtown's got. You realize that? In prison to sin, in prison to addiction, in prison to Satan. And today, guess what? He's called your name and, and life's bent you over, but you don't want to come forth. Well, I hope seeing that lady come forth, and it even got awkward for a moment. I don't think if you need to come forth today, we're going to have somebody stand up and say, Hey, don't do that today. I don't think you have to worry about that. If you do, then he'll escort them out. I'm going to ask Dave to sing one more time through. Because I'm convinced life's got more bent over than it come and bent down. I'm convinced he's calling some names. I'm convinced some need to come.